Thanks for joining us for the latest episode in SIFMA's DEI podcast series. I'm Jenny Jacoby, Managing Director and Associate General Counsel at SIFMA. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Gill, Global Head of Neurodiversity, about J.P. Morgan Chase's commitment to diversity and inclusion and their efforts to recruit and retain neurodiverse colleagues in the financial services industry. Brian, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. So, Brian, uh, to start us off, can you share a little about yourself, your career, and how you found yourself in your current role? Yeah, no, thanks. So, I'm a 30-year veteran of financial services, about 20 years with J.P. Morgan. Most of my time with J.P. Morgan, I spent in a commercial bank in operations. I had the unique opportunity about five years ago to work as a volunteer, as an operations executive, to do a viability study on how J.P. Morgan Chase could employ colleagues from the IDD community, so intellectually and developmentally disabled, as an extension of our neurodivergent hiring, into our firm in a way that was aligned with our culture and values. And I spent some time with some amazing um, other employers, um, Walgreens and Bank of America, to name a few, to understand how that model worked. Uh, we built a model and turned it over to our HR operating committee, and they agreed that it was an amazing opportunity for us. And the outcome was that is they, they posted the job for someone to have the privilege to lead that initiative, and I applied and was fortunate to have been given that opportunity. So four years ago, I started what we call the business solutions team, which is that expansion of our neurodivergent hiring. Wow. Brian, so as an industry, we talk a lot about our commitment to improving diversity and inclusion efforts, but oftentimes it just feels like the inclusion of neurodiverse employees gets sadly overlooked. How do you define neurodiversity in the workplace, and and what are some of the things J.P. Morgan Chase is doing to create a more inclusive environment? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first way I define neurodiversity is is superpowers and a competitive advantage for our firm. So the fact that I I am the global head of neurodiversity for J.P. Morgan, and the fact that we have a head of neurodiversity is a statement about our commitment to this space. It's a, yeah, it's a competitive right. advantage for our firm. These are communities that we want to serve and bank, right? We want clients, uh, certainly clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about in context of kind of the universe, about 30% of the world is neurodivergent. And when I use that term, yeah, when I use that term wow. neurodivergent, it includes all the communities, uh, dyslexia, autism, ADHD, AD, ADD, et cetera all in, it's about 30%. So as a JP Morgan, it's kind of a global employer and we, we are seeking you know, an inclusive employer. We, we believe that about 30% of our staff are neurodivergent. So it's never a question of mm-hmm. if we're going to have colleagues that process information differently. It's the question is how many do you already have? And we're actively sourcing talent from these communities. So how many will you have in the very, you know, additional will you have in the very near future? I kind of view the neurodiversity space like this. It's one, there's nothing charitable about this. As a, as a bank, a competitive bank, we want the very best talent for our firm. The unemployment rates or underemployment rates in the neurodiverse communities run, you know, autism could be 75, 80%. IDD is probably closer to 90%. These are major untapped talent pools 
and with some minor adjustments and accommodations to our processes in our workplace, we can enable these colleagues to come work here and be their very best and compel our business and also add and create, help create an amazing culture, amazing inclusive culture. Hmm. Right. So, Brian, you just mentioned culture. So I have to ask um, about allyship, right, because that seems to be a huge component. So how does... J.P. Morgan Chase promote allyship in the workplace to support these neurodivergent employees and yeah. colleagues. There's a couple of ways to look at this. I always start with a conversation around empathy. I think empathy is probably the mm-hmm. single strongest manager attribute for a manager who will be, you know, successful at an inclusive work work environment. So we start with empathy, and when we think about having colleagues or employees, if you're a leader that are that are maybe neurodivergent, and we'll put those. We'll put neurodivergent in the category of kind of non-apparent disabilities, right? Colleagues don't need mm-hmm. to tell us what their label is. They don't need to disclose if they're not comfortable. That's a very personal choice. But managers who lead with empathy mm-hmm. think about everything from a needs-based perspective. So, for example, if you, we have a new employee who you know, may, may not identify as a member of the neurodivergent community, your conversation will be, welcome to J.P. Morgan Chase. What do you need to be your very best? You have a colleague who joins the first day and they may self-disclose as a member of one of the neurodivergent communities. Welcome to J.P. Morgan. What do you, Chase, what do you need to be your very best? It's the exact same conversation. Right. And leaders who lead with empathy, their job is always to come more than halfway across the table and make sure that the colleague has all the tools and resources they need to be their very best. And that view you know, of, of accommodations should be much more expansive for you know the diverse communities we're sourcing talent from. So, for example, you have a neurodivergent colleague; they might have a preference for a seat location where there's less noise or distractions. They might have some you know sensory right. or environmental accommodations they need. So maybe a seat near a window or where there's no traffic behind them. Colleagues mm-hmm. from other communities like ADHD who organize their work a little differently. They might do two or three days of heavy intensive work where they get five, seven days of work done, but then they might need a day of training or decompression where you adjust the intraday break schedules as well. So all of it is around how do you provide the very best environment so colleagues get the support they need to be their very best when they come to work. So, Brian, when we're talking about allyship, what we're really saying is how do we remove those barriers to, right, to employment and the workspace generally? And so can you tell us a little bit more about J.P. Morgan Chase's advocacy work here? And, and can you give us a, a, an example of your commitment? Yeah, there's, we're, we're operating on all fronts, both inside and outside of the firm. So I'll give you an example of, of mm-hmm. advocacy. We realized early on when we were hiring colleagues from the IDD community, and again, it's intellectually and developmentally disabled, that many of them rely on social security benefits as a safety net, safety net for disability disability benefits. Unfortunately, the asset and income limits still in force for eligibility are decades old. I believe 1979. When we have colleagues here, you know, contributing to J.P. Morgan, we recognize our colleagues with you know salary increases and other compensation. We have colleagues who are protecting these outdated 
you know, working with these outdated asset and income limits. You can't have more than $2,000 in assets, which would include a 401k, free money from JP Morgan mm-hmm. Chase. And the average is you can't make more than $1,380 a month. So when we recognize colleagues for their performance, they cut their hours back to ensure that they, they're oh. mindful of those archaic asset and income limits to ensure they have their safety net. We published a policy brief last April, taking a formal position, J.P. Morgan Chase taking a formal position that this is just unacceptable. Our colleagues can't pursue self-determination. They can't pursue their career aspirations. We are very fortunate that a couple of Ohio senators picked up on it and even referenced our policy brief in some legislation they're advancing to eliminate that savings penalty. They're out of Ohio, um, Portman and Brown. So that's an example of kind of operating outside of our walls, and that would certainly elevate the entire disability community, at least in the United States. In conjunction with that, we're working with other like-minded employers to include Microsoft, Bank of America, Capital One, uh, Prudential, to name a number of like-minded employers to create a, a, a group of employers to bring this forward as the, you know, a paradigm shift that the equity issue is just as important, but decades old. We now have a business problem. As employers, we want access to the amazing talent in these communities, but this barrier to employment created by these asset and income limits, outdated asset income limits, is problematic for us. Brian, you're hitting on something I want to drill down on even further because it's something that we like to say at SIFMA often is that a strong commitment to DEI isn't just the right thing to do, the moral thing to do. There's also a a clear business imperative, as you've been kind of laying out for us. So can you share with us the value proposition of empowering neurodiverse individuals in the financial services industry and perhaps provide an example? Great question. So I will absolutely unequivocally say this is good for business. There is a value proposition. Nothing about any of this work is charitable at all. We have a number, first, you know, one, we want to be the employer of choice, but we also want to be the bank of choice for the neurodivergent and disability communities. So the first part of the equation is having representation from these communities, their diversity of thought, their lived experiences, their perspectives helps us understand how to provide products and services for the communities we want to bank. The second part of the equation is, and this is specific to the neurodivergent space, when you have colleagues that have a slightly different operating system and process information differently, and we'll call this a superpower, and are able to look at our old problems and new ways and new problems and new ways and provide a unique perspective on how we're conducting business, that is absolutely a competitive advantage. The third layer of this, and I'll give you a great example, is when we can match the superpower, neurodivergent superpower, to a specific transaction, that's where we really have, you know, amazing outcomes, both empirically, and I'll talk a little bit more about cultural impacts. So here's a, here's a case study. Uh, we develop artificial intelligence as a firm, just like every other major enterprise does, and we have a you know, data scientist that write the algorithms, and these return millions of data attributes. And you can't automate training the automation. 
So somebody has to review the values and the majority, 80% of them are in a high or low probability of match. So you're literally reviewing two data attributes. Do they match or two data attributes? Do they not match? So our, our data scientists were doing this. It's uh, iterative. It's not a good motivational fit. It doesn't align with their aspirations or how they perceive they add value. And when you have that poor motivational fit, fit match with any type of transaction, you have bad outcomes. Terrible quality, right. morale, attrition, attendance. All those things are byproducts. We decouple that part of the job and we matched a colleague from the neurodivergent community or 10, 10 colleagues actually from the neurodivergent communities uh, centric to IDD. And uh, I'll give you one example. We have a colleague who uh, is deeper in his autism spectrum. He's mostly nonverbal. The way he presents on the street, you probably wouldn't uh, say he, should, he would do a great job working at JP Morgan on AI development. But we matched his talents to our business need through one of our support agencies. And his superpower is he stems on the process. His focus seems to renew each item. And he's done 60 plus thousand transactions and he has not made a mistake. That is an alignment wow. of a superpower to a business need with an empirical outcome. And that is just amazing. But that's part yeah, that's wow. an example of the value proposition. We've been able to do this in a number of areas, five different lines of business. And we're in entering our fourth major U.S. market for that program, that uh, the IDD-centered program, uh, as we speak. So, Brian, where you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if I were, were another firm, where do I start, right? Where does the firm start in forming this ongoing diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy when it comes to neurodiversity, like you all have done and really spearheaded at J.P. Morgan? And how do you define success, Right. Yeah, I'll start with a success question and I'll back into it. So success is when we have uh, diversity of thought, diversity of lived experiences, diversity of perspectives integrated into all of the areas at the firm. You know, there's often these kind of stereotypical uh, roles associated with, I'll use autism as an example, that you think technology. Well, actually 60% of our our autist colleagues are actually in, in operations and other roles outside of technology. So we don't limit ourselves, but it's, wow. it's about success is having representation across all areas of the firm. That's the first one. How do you do it? This program, these programs started, uh, I think six years ago and we did start small. We started with carve outs. So you identify, you know, uh, you know, a hiring manager who's kind of aligned with the concept and the, select a couple of jobs and you use some, you know, community partners or agencies to help match talent. And those agencies provide other supports like training and matching the talent to your business need and they provide supports in that way. But you start small with carve-outs. But what I would encourage any company engaging in this space to do is to truly understand the inherent value and think about this less about you need to, you might start with a program but it needs to evolve to strategy. So I don't refer to any of our activities right. programs. These are integrated business strategies. And we think about ensuring mm -hmm. that it's embedded in the ecosystem and not off the side of the desk. So here's a good example. We're not going to go out and have an autist hiring fair. We're going to have hiring fairs and we're going to include autists. Right? So right. it's integrated exactly. in how we conduct yeah. business. 
And the disability community, including the neurodivergent community, is not a competing demographic with any other community. So all of our other work effort around, you know, like Advancing Black Pathways or veterans or LGBT plus, we have a lot of amazing work across the firm. We are an integrated demographic in every single one of those other spaces. And one of our major strategies mm-hmm. is this kind of multi-integrated strategy where if one community is going to uh, engage, uh, you know, for hiring or for advocacy work, we add in layers and include the other areas. It's strategy less about, starts off as programs, but it evolves to strategy. So Brian, it sounds to me like intersectionality is really critical here. Is that right, right in your opinion? If we think about us separate and and kind of uh, this word I'm using very loosely, but we're not a competing demographic. It's an integrated demographic into every all of the other great work the firm mm-hmm. is doing. So absolutely, that's a yeah. crucial component. That's incredible. So let's look toward the future, right? <laughs> Where are the next opportunities to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion among neurodiverse individuals across the industry? Would yeah, you say? we're looking at, we're moving on a couple of fronts. One, we want uh, a stronger global presence. So we're working on scaling to all the regions. J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, is uh, across the world. So that's one important component. And each region has its own unique um, operating model and, and challenges and opportunities. So we're working through that. We also want to have a stronger presence. Um, we're working on uh, advocating for disability-owned businesses, providing coaching, business coaching for entrepreneurs, founders that may be members of the neurodiverse community. It's another segment of our work. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we want to be the bank of choice. So we continue to push on why JP Morgan should be your first choice. We have accessible products. We're thinking about, you know, adding additional projects, uh, products as we're informed by our internal communities to make sure that we're meeting the needs, mm-hmm. the banking needs of the neurodivergent and disability communities. So growth, I would say growth. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing platform to scale from, but growth is is my primary focus. Wow. Well, I'm excited to see what you all do next. So let's close it out, Brian. And what would you leave the listeners? What, what should they take away from this podcast? If you can think of one thing. I want to everyone listening to this podcast to understand how the employment of these communities, it may feel uh, like it's the right thing to do and it is the right thing to do, but is the right thing to do for your business. And if you understand the value proposition and the power that these communities can bring to your firm with your superpowers, taking, making a very intentional effort to be inclusive to this community will do nothing but yield benefit. And then culturally, the thing that I grossly underestimated about inclusion in these communities was the cultural impact. When team members, particularly with the IDD community, when team members step back and understand, you know, reflect on how I can be a supportive colleague, a supportive patient coach, when I think about leading with empathy, that tends to translate to the rest of the team. And we've seen team dynamics improve, less drama, less kerfuffles, and overall the health of the organization has been improved. Wow. Brian, thank you so much. We are so lucky to have you in your capacity at J.P. Morgan and as an advocate for these communities and all communities. So thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for joining me today. Um, It has been my pleasure. 
So to learn more about SIFMA's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, please, please visit SIFMA.org backslash diversity. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this incredible series. We hope you'll join us for our next episode of the SIFMA podcast. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.